This is Dane Saint, and you're listening to Pixelated Audio, episode 143, featuring the music of Splice. Welcome to Pixelated Audio, a podcast focusing on game audio, its history, and the people behind it. Yes, today we're going to be playing music from a game that was released way back in 2012, titled Splice. We're your hosts, I'm Brian, this is Gene, and joining us to talk about the music is the game's composer and technical director, Dane Saint. Great having you. Thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Awesome. That track that brought us in was uh, the intro track called Barachial, composed by Dane Saint. And uh, this is just a beautiful way to start out this episode. I, I absolutely love this track. This whole soundtrack is wonderful. Thank you. When Brian introduced me to this soundtrack, I didn't really know what to expect. And it's just full of these just rich, beautiful piano themes. And I've enjoyed it thoroughly since. And this track in particular, I think, is a little... I don't know, almost ominous <laughs> sort of yeah it's kind, kind of, of um, yeah it's kind of got this um this dark side to it i think too it's it's like a like a dark beauty i guess um really like it so real quick splice is a puzzle game that takes place in what appears to be like a almost like a petri dish or something as you rearrange and splice sells into targets which uh within like a certain number of moves i guess if you can get it in there you move on to the next one and um and so forth it was released in june of 2012 for windows and mac through steam 
and later for iPad and Android. And then in 2015, it was released for PlayStation 3 and 4 via PSN, both published and developed by Cypher Prime. Now, Cypher Prime was created in 2008 by technical director Dane Saint and creative director William Stallwood, and they've released nearly what, 10 or so games at this point, I believe, and have won numerous awards. We want to talk more about Cypher Prime shortly, but first, Dane, let's start with your background in music and also what led you in game audio. Um, well, music's been a part of my life since I was a kid. Uh, I, I, um, my whole family's from Jamaica, and when I um, left kindergarten, my parents sent me down to stay with my, my grandparents for a while, and while I was down there, uh, my grandfather, who was the um, organist for the, the church, he sat me down in front of the, the piano and taught me how to play. Um, so that would have been around yeah kindergarten, first grade, something like that. Um, so I've, I've always had music um, in my life and had it as, as a, a path of expression. Um, never really thought it would be a profitable thing. Um, and, and so <laughs> it's always been kind of on the side. Um, but when uh, um, fast forwarding a lot from first grade, uh, when we started Cypher Prime, um, Will and I were sort of look, just looking for ways to work together. Um, we had both been doing interactive media for a little while, um, and we each had our individual portfolios, but together we didn't have anything. Um, so we decided, well, let's let's make something together. That became Auditorium, which came out in two thousand eight, um, and since we were just like trying to create something beautiful and create something that would generate some um, some business and some attention for us, we just kind of went went all out. I got to dust off my keyboard, bring out some some loops that I had been working on for a while, um, and from there, we we kind of fell into games. And and as our composer, I fell into game audio. Awesome. Now, you you talked about um, being really into music when you were in kindergarten, first grade. What was your uh, your instrument of choice? Like, what did what stuck with you through the years? Because you know, you don't just pick up a piano and start being awesome. Like, you know, like you <laughs> you must have had a, a transitional phase, or you must have gone through different um, instruments or what have you over the years. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I um, well, piano is still my my I'll consider my main instrument. It's what I work out my ideas on um, at, at the very least. I, I took some lessons. Uh, I'd probably say seventh and eighth grade was when I was really like taking lessons. But um, I've always been more of a play by ear or improvisational um, composer. I, I didn't even start learning, you know, what's what's considered to be the, the, the normal or the, uh, the the standard music theory stuff until we were working on Fractal, and I we were creating a audio engine that could sort of improvise based on what you were doing and I had to figure out well how am I going to teach the computer how to do music stuff and that's when the music theory stuff became really um, really useful but for me I'd always sort of compose based on feel and mood and color um, rather than you know oh this is an A sharp minor 7 and it has to go to like I, and I can I can talk about things like that now but I still don't it still feels very rigid for me um, but yeah Piano has stuck with me my entire life. Um, seventh and eighth grade was when I did the most of, of my formal training and then more on my own as, as um, I got deeper into composing for games. 
Um, throughout high school, I was playing bass. After in college, I was playing bass and guitar, and then after college, um, I took up singing. So that's kind of the, the gamut for my um, instruments. Awesome. You know, we talked to other people in the past who have mentioned not having a formal background actually led them um, down a very different creative path in their composition style and what freedoms it actually allowed rather than being set in stone for certain um, ideas and maybe methodologies for their music. We, we also mentioned um, in, in past episodes, you know, like there was a pivotal point in their career, in the composer's career, that after learning some of these foundational uh, or more um, intricate theory uh, or composition theory, that their style had changed. Did you notice any change in your uh, composition when uh, when you got more down in the depths of the music theory side of stuff? Um, I wouldn't say that my, my style changed drastically so much as one, I, get, I, I was able to better communicate to other musicians things that I had always done instinctually, um, which is great when you actually want to, you know, collaborate with people. Um, and then also, it, it gave me another lens um, to, to look at something. And, and I, I sort of just creatively consider myself to be a collector of lenses. And that really helps when I hit a, a creative block. And it's like, I don't know where to go with this. You know, before I might listen to another piece that has the the feeling that I want, or I might, um, you know, take a trip, go to the museum, and see if there's anything, any sort of inspiration there. And now that I, I do understand music theory a bit better, I can say, okay, well, maybe there is a turnaround in music theory that would fit here. It just gives gives me more more things in the toolbox, um, and I, I still don't. It's still not foundational for me. Um, it's still kind of like a like a appetizer or a side. It's like fries, you know, <laughs> for, the, for the main entree of my my composition. But it's it's nice knowing that I have it there um, when I want it. Yeah, that's excellent. It's not actually terribly surprising. We've talked to so many composers on this show, and there's something about the creative and production side of video game music that it just attracts people from all different walks of life. I think we probably have more people that have said they didn't start knowing or learning composition until after they kind of were already doing it for a while, uh, as opposed to people that had that more formal training. So I think you're in pretty good company. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And and you do feel, you do feel somewhat, um, you know, strange about it. You know, you feel a little embarrassed, like, Oh, you know, I don't, I don't know these, these terminology, this terminology and these things that everybody knows. Um, but you know, as you get older and it's, you know, especially for me, as I, as I got older and I started really looking into the origins of things and understanding like, Oh, you know, we talk about music theory as if it's complete, as if that is what music theory is. And we don't really stop to think about the, you know, the deeply European, um, perspective of what music theory is. It doesn't include anything from Asiatic perspectives. It doesn't include anything from African um, perspectives. It's very much like the comp- compositional styles of Western European classical composers. It's actually a lot more narrow than people um, sort of give it credit for. That's a good point. It expanded a lot also over the, the 20th century with um, that with the black music traditions, of, you know, jazz and bebop and the rest. They really played with, with and expanded upon that. But um, it, I, I used to feel like I was really missing something, not having it. And, and as I've gotten a chance to work with more musicians and sort of deepen my um, musical composition 
ability and really appreciate things from other cultures, I realized that um, it's, it's not as foundational as I thought it was. You know, it's, it's definitely more of a cultural thing than, you know, something that's strictly necessary. You're the first person to bring that up. And that's a really good point. I'm glad you did, because uh, one thing uh, that I think everybody experiences one point or another in their life is the imposter syndrome. Um, you know, like <laughs> mm-hmm. everybody's a, a big you know, a big time composer. And I just did this stuff. I don't have any formal background, but I think you fake it till you make it is, is like a real thing. And, and like, that's, that's how, you know, I got good at my trade. That's how Gene I'm sure has got good at his trade. Just really like trying to learn by doing and, and, uh, music is, is such an interesting art form because you can, like Gene was saying earlier, all walks of life and, um, you know, people can get into it and not have to be, held down by some kind of preconception of, you know, having uh, a strong, like, you know, composition degree or something like that. It's really awesome to hear you talk about that from your perspective. So thank you very much. Let's go ahead and jump in to our next track here. This is called Gabriel composed by Dane Saint for Splice.
That was Gabriel, composed by Dane Saint for Splice. Another great track. Uh, you know, one thing that I noticed is uh, what, what I was listening to this whole soundtrack is there are a lot of elements that you tend to reuse. There's generally arpeggiated uh, figures in the right hand and some really heavy pedal tones and, and, you know, bass notes. Now, all of the tracks definitely sound different from each other in the sense that they're unique compositions, but they all hold together as a single body. I'm curious, Dane, when you were composing it, were you thinking of it as... Uh, writing a lot of tracks in the same style or was it just sort of things that were coming to mind? How did you sort of organize what this ended up becoming in terms of the whole set of tracks? Um, well, it's, it's interesting for me because the, the way I write music for games is very different from the way that I write music for myself. Um, I, I'll, I'll talk often about, the, in my mind, the difference between art and design where um, art is about expression and design is about communication. And for game music, for me, it's a lot more about on the design side. It's a lot more about the communication. So um, what I mean by that is, you know, these tracks, they're background music in a game. They have to do a very specific set of things. Um, when you open up Splice, you're sort of floating backwards through this um, sort of liquid space until you pass the, the title screen, which says Splice, that you can then click on. Um, and the moment that that appears on the screen is always, always punctuated by that he heavy bass note in the left hand. Um, so when you listen to every track, you'll have that little ostinato that's starting, the little arpeggiated note, and then you get that heavy bass on the left. And that is always when you open the game where you would see the splice main screen. So there's lots of little design elements like that where the music has to kind of fit into what the player is experiencing at that time. Um, so as a, as a result, like, yeah, as, a, as I was composing it, um, you know, I, there's different emotions and things that I want to communicate in each of the different pieces, but they, they do still need to hold together as a sort of a cohesive unit. You know, you, you need, you know, basically when somebody is, you know, playing splice, I want them to have a specific feeling, a specific ambiance. I want that feeling of, um, sort of being the lone scientist working in the lab late at night, like that, you know, twilight hour. So it has a bit of that dark feel. It has a bit of that, um, methodical feel. I'm really Excellent. glad that you said that, actually, because as soon as you said lone scientist working in a lab, like I could picture it exactly just from hearing the music. It, it, yeah, same Full here. disclosure, I did not play the game. I watched a couple <laughs> of videos of it. Uh, it looked super interesting and very much like you had a very clear aesthetic in mind or a clear vision. Um, mm -hmm. I assume it would probably translate a little better to experience it, but I'd have to ask Brian his opinion when we get to that point. <laughs> yeah. And the, you know, to be fair, I, I was the one that's told Gene like, Hey, you got to listen to the soundtrack, but he's been listening to the music of this for several months now. And, uh, I know you've definitely fallen in love with it because, um, we're, we're here today, obviously. So, um, I do want to kind of back up. We talked about the company, your, your company, um, we just mentioned it, but Cypher Prime is an indie game studio based in Philadelphia. You guys have worked on a number of games, including Fractal, Pulse, Intake, Auditorium, obviously Splice. So could you tell us about your company, Cypher Prime? Yeah. Um, so Cypher Prime, that, that was me and Will. We actually, we met at a party in Philadelphia. Uh, we were introduced by a mutual friend and um, it was it was mash for shots was what we were doing. Um, I think it was the 
God, I don't remember which, <laughs> which Smash Brothers had come out, but one of them had come out, and it was a, a sort of thing where every time you won a round, you had to take a shot of like box wine. Um, so it, was oh, like natural, <laughs> it was like a natural handicap situation, right? So, but it was plastered <laughs> by the end of this thing. Um, oh. And and yeah, we're just like we're talking about interactive design, and you know, he showed me his portfolio, and I showed him mine, and that's not a euphemism for anything. It was uh, just kind of a cool cool thing it was like hey let's, let's work together at some point didn't talk for months um and then um i i had been working with some dumb company in um jersey at the time and that um that contract ended and i had decided at that point i'm never gonna work for another person ever again um, so I decided, like, okay, I'm gonna start. Um, start I'm gonna start a company, and we'll figure out what exactly is probably gonna be interactive design. We'll figure it out. Um, and then, like, the next day, I get a call from Will, like, hey, I just uh, quit my job. Do you want to start a company? So um, after like <laughs> wow. our second meeting, we decided to, to start this company together, and um, ended up we started off in interactive designs, ended up making games, and did it for like what. 10, 10 or so years. We just released a game last year called uh, Line Weight. Um, so, yeah. Looks exciting. Looks really awesome. Um, what's the significance of the name, Cypher Prime? Um, Cypher Prime, um, that was a very, very, very fancy zero and one. Uh, we're talking about sort of like digital art. Um, so a cypher being a code or also sending it for a zero, a prime being, you know, sort of first um, and also the one. So there's a lot of like hidden symbols. That was that was a, a me thing. I uh, I tend to <laughs> I tend That's to cool. pick a lot of like deeply that try and pack a lot of symbols into the same words. And I, I don't think it always communicates, but that's just it's kind of my jam. Well, there's definitely a style that you guys have created with Cypher Prime. Like if you look at if you just look at the the website and you go through the games, there's there's this. I mean, everything is is unique, but it has a kind of ethereal feel to all of your games. They're very, um, very like bright colors, but then like get dark and have just different moods and and different. You know, we kind of reminds me of um, we talked to um, the team that did Greece uh, a long time ago. That oh yeah um, yeah and they're they what they were doing is they were painting this whole mood with um art and and music combined in it that that seems like your guys mo i mean that seems like what you guys have created with this company it's just very very heavy on creating a feeling and conveying that feeling to the player yeah i mean that that's kind of the the central i did i did a talk a few years back at nyu on experience design um and not not in like the sort of lame adobe xd side of things where it's just like oh how do people use your ui and like not that how do you create and how do you create something that's an experience how do you take whatever whatever medium you're in where whether it's games or or an event or a book or whatnot um how do you take that and, and elevate it to an experience to something that really sticks with somebody and creates a, a visceral emotional response um and that and that is really what we um sort of have sought to always sought to do with with cyber prime and and that emotion can be very different um i always kind of joke with with splice and um i believe is the next game intake the the central shape in both of those games is just like a standard unity capsule and they're very 
different games. You know, Splice is very、um, meditative puzzle game. You know, unlocking the secrets of life kind of situation. And then Intake is you're doing Molly in the bathroom at a Skrillex show. Like it's a very different emotion. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. And, and so we, you go from this like Philip Glass soundtrack to like a dubstep soundtrack, and it's the same company, <laughs> but、yeah. um, but it, it's just trying to give give you that experience、um, that that is a bit more distilled. Excellent. Yeah, I think that comes across. Although I feel like I just had this weird sense of deja vu because I could have sworn Philip Glass came up in another show, completely unrelated. <laughs> <laughs> but I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to ask <laughs> this in.、Uh, Oh, go on, go on. What were you going to say? Oh yeah, I mean, Philip Glass was was a huge、um, influence for the the Splice soundtrack. You know, he he definitely、um, the the way he thinks about rhythm and overlapping rhythm and and、um, ostinatos and and figures like that really、um, really inspired me to to think about like sort of creating this very mathematical sounding soundtrack in in a sort of way. And、um, the one we just listened to,、uh, Gabriel, is probably the one that most directly references Philip Glass.、Um, that one was inspired by Metamorphosis One,、um, and, and if you if you pull them up, you'll you'll hear like some of the same kind of figures in there. That I just wanted to at least give a musical shout out there in in the soundtrack. Well, I mean, I think a lot of people have like. Taken idea and influence from Philip Glass because it's one of the most influential American composers, I think,、um, for the modern day. So,、uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's true, and and especially for the、uh, really high-minded video game music composers, you're definitely not the first to have made that connection. And I don't mean that in a bad way, by the way. I really,、yeah. I do appreciate it. Like, actually, one thing I wanted to mention.、Um, There's a designer that I'm really inspired by who、uh, works at Stanford, whose name is Ga Wang. That's G E. It's、uh, he's a he's kind of like a musician, designer, composer, but his whole thing is basically mirroring what you said. It's not enough to be art or design. There is this kind of like sense of of beauty, of like meaning that is. If it's not there, you're just creating like product essentially, and I, I think that really comes across from what I've seen of your work. Up to this point, and you know, I really want to check out Line Wait and some of the other games that you've made. And、um, this is going to be kind of a long question, but I, I'm curious <laughs> to know this here.、Um, so, Cipher Prime, you know, is based in Philly, which isn't the first city you think of when you think of game development. And you personally have done a lot to build up the scene. You know, a lot like I mentioned, Go Wang before. You know, you've you've held events, game jams, dev nights, Unity user groups. You know what? What was it like being such a like a foundational part of the community and building it up? Not just like being a developer, but being so influential in the scene. Um, it, it's. I mean, I think about sort of that last decade. It's it's um kind of a blur. <laughs> um, we're definitely <laughs> always just like kind of running on to the next thing, and um, I don't, I don't know that I really got um. A, a chance to to take a step back and really look at things until、um, we we closed the Game Forge,、um, that, and that was which is not sort of I, I guess where to start the story at the end, right?、Um, but you know we had we had spent a lot of time you know trying to build up this the scene and getting you know getting Dev Night together, getting the Game Forge together, and、um, you know making games and making money off of it is not an easy thing and. Um, 
at the time trying to both run a co-working space and trying to um, you know, run our company was, was just a lot. And so a lot of my memory of that time, you know, like there, there's, there's so many good memories. There's so much um, life and heart in, in, in the, the space that we had created and so many amazing experiences. But it really didn't hit me until um, when we finally made the, the decision to, to close the forge and we had our, um, our closing party. And I got a kind of chance to just like get out of mission mode, you know, um, mm-hmm. I'm, kind of, I'm, I'm very much like, like my, my dad in that way, where like, if there's this things going on, you're just like, you, you get up and you work and then you go to sleep. And then at some point you'll remember what you did. Um, and then, <laughs> and for me, that was very much like, oh, I can, I can kind of take a moment to, to really look at all of these like bright young faces, all of these people that like started, uh, you know, I, <laughs> One of my, my favorite bits was, um, you guys know Greg Lobanoff? Yes. Um, uh, yeah. Um, I, I'm trying to remember. You tell us. You're the game dev. <laughs> yeah. yeah he, that's uh, Dumb and Fat Games, right? Um, he did... Uh, oh, did he do um, Wandersong, I think. Yeah, Wandersong. Oh, and, and that's the one right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great game. I loved it, yeah. Phenomenal, right? Yeah. Um, and he, he had actually applied to, um, intern with Cypher Prime when he was a, a student at, um, at Drexel. And, uh, we said no, because we weren't taking on interns <laughs> at, that, at that time. And, um, because Greg is, is super Philly, he said, well, um, it, what I'm going to do is I'm going to start my own company and intern for myself. <laughs> um, which is how, <laughs> how that company started. And he worked out of our, our space, you know, um, we, you know, we didn't have the, the bandwidth to intern him, but he just worked around us and blew, like, blew past. Like, um, um, amazing developer, you know, just a, an incredible knack for everything. And so, like, there's a hundred of these tiny little stories that came, that came out of the time of, like, our heavy involvement in Dev9 and Gameforge that, like, I, I still this think about like the, what that influence is like so I, I don't know that's um it's gonna take me a while still i think to to really get a sense of how influential that space was but um i i just i just remember it fondly yeah that's excellent and you know the best thing about that really is that the um the, the community has still um, survived and flourished. You know, DevNight was was started by by my partner Will and this dude Sean Pierre, who is like just the nicest, most amazing human being you'll ever meet. Like, there's not a single bad thing I can say about this dude. Um, and and you know, he and the rest of the community really stepped up. And um, DevNight ended up becoming Philly Game Mechanics, which is this like really great. Um, nonprofit in Philadelphia that's still fostering um, game development, still fostering these independent spirits, still hosting game jams, and you know through multiple venue changes and the pandemic and the shift to like everything being virtual, they're, they're still just keeping that fire lit, you know, for the for the game scene in Philadelphia. And um, I, you know, every time I see something come by from them, I'm always like. Just really happy to see it um, continuing on and um, just really grateful, really grateful that I had any small part in helping that um, community just 
at least get a start. You know, the, the, having had any part to play in that, I'm tremendously proud. That's awesome. Um, I do want to take uh, another music break here. This next track is called Eremial, composed by Dane Saint for Splice. That was Aremiel, composed by Dane Saint for the game Splice. This might be my favorite track in the soundtrack. It's, I, and I wish I would have said this on the last track, but like, I, I really like bouncing between the that kind of dark minor um, chord progression and then going into the beautiful kind of um, almost like playful major chord uh it's it's so beautiful and uh gives me chills just listening to it thank you i actually think i, I prefer uh Barakiel a little bit better but this is a beautiful track as well i think <laughs> that one hits me in a slightly different way there's some uh, emotional like lows and highs if you will that kind of i mean everybody responds to music differently it's not i'm not saying anything about this track that i dislike it's more like i think that one kind of resonated with me more uh you know, I think you you said it yourself. A lot of this music is very emotional and personal, and it, it's meant to kind of elicit a certain mood. And they're not all quite in that same space. I bet you, if you asked me uh, in a few weeks from now, I might even give you a different answer. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but with the the permanence of recording, now people are going to think that that's our answer forever, that's forever. Zidane, <laughs> <laughs> so tell us about Aremiel. Um, Aremiel is. It's a sort of a yeah. I wanted that to to have a more playful and and happy feel to it, 
um, because it, it's kind of situated in a part of the game where things are starting to get a lot more difficult. And that, that's one of the things that I, I was really keeping in mind with the soundtrack. One of the reasons that soothing was always the, um, the, the adjective that came to mind um, was that Splice is hard. <laughs> it's a really hard yeah, game. It's really hard. It's really hard. It's, it's really hard. It's, pr- it's pretty unforgiving. Um, I mean, you're able to scrub back and forth within within a single puzzle, but like if you don't get that puzzle, you're not moving on. Um, and I wanted people to to have that you know level of frustration because that's the same thing that I feel when I'm trying to figure out a problem or I'm solving a, a computing issue or like anything like that. You get into that level of frustration because then when you get it, when you solve the puzzle after that, there's this immense feeling of like release. Um, and, and you just want people to stick with it long enough to get that, that feeling. Right. Um, and Aremiel is, um, positioned at a part of the game where we've kind of taught you all the major mechanics and now we're putting everything together and you have to really start thinking about what actions, you know, you, you want to take. Um, so I, I, I did want it to have sort of a all the pieces are coming together kind of feeling. This is, you know, when you, when you hear the, the second round of the, um, of the, I guess what you would call a verse come in, it's the same thing as before, but with just more movement, moving up and down the, uh, the console, up and down the keyboard. Um, so you, you wanted to have that, that sort of feeling of, okay, all the pieces are starting to come together. All the pieces are starting to fit and it feels good. I love that. I love that. So, um, Gene, you brought something up earlier that I wanted to, to also um, make a mention of. The, yeah, uh, I, think, kind of I, think symbolism. To, I think we need to bring up the angel in the room because there's, <laughs> there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of symbolism in the music. Uh, so for those of you who are following along, the, the albums on Bandcamp are uh, called Flight of Angels and then this sort of part two album is called Algorithms and Angelology. And then this first one, I believe all of them are angels or archangels there's got to be some reason for that right <laughs> <laughs> yeah abs- absolutely um so th- this is one of those you know ten thousand symbols crammed into the same space things that i that i like to do um so the whole feeling that we wanted to get right was that not all not only that you were a scientists working in a lab late at night, you know, trying to sort of unlock the secrets of life or whatever, but really trying to hone in that feeling of like, you're, you are playing in God's domain. You are, you are doing something that is a little beyond what you should be doing. And maybe you shouldn't be doing it. Um, we really wanted to get that, that feeling in there. And so, um, the, the main, each sequence, right. Of which there are seven, has seven strands in it um when you complete the game you know you finish the first seven sequences and then you go to the epilogue which is another four right so Mm -hmm. if you have the total of that that's 11 sequences of seven strands apiece so you have 77 levels in the game so (laughs) so that that number seven is is in there over and over and over again um, and then um, 
even man see i just thought this was all about splicing like (laughs) corn and making like gmo versus (laughs) non-gmo soybean products yeah we we you know we always sort of put a bit more um like emphasis on on on, like our side of like making sure we're we're clear on what we want to communicate but then it it doesn't come out in the text all subtext um my, my favorite little bit of it actually is that um in in the scale there are seven white keys right Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you, if you do an octave, you're going from C to C, but you drop off that last C, it goes from C to C to B. And if you um, look at the um, track listing for Flight of Angels, it starts off in B with Barakiel, and then it goes oh, to man. A, Ariel, G, Gabriel, all the way down to C, Cassiel. So it's so it's even calling into play the, the seven that's intrinsic in music theory so there, there's that number seven is showing up over and over and over again wow if that's you look awesome for it yeah that's wild <laughs> we knew there was a lot more to it i noticed the alphabetical thing but somehow i, I didn't draw the connection to the the keys on a keyboard but i probably should have <laughs> yeah. although now that i know you I'll, I'll assume that everything you say is laden with double meaning <laughs> <laughs> that, that is that is an accurate assessment um you, you should definitely do that <laughs> well, let's get into our next track here this is uh you might have to pronounce this dane uh derdel dardale yeah our next track dardale it's composed by dane saint for splice
That was Darda Ale, composed by Dane Saint for the game Splice. This track always reminds me of like the sun parting between like the the rain clouds. Um, there was a movie that, that immediately comes to mind, um, or it was like a, like a short story adaptation to a movie or something called All Summer in a Day. I think it's like from like the 80s where um, I, I guess like a family or a girl or something lives on I want to say another planet like Mars or something. And the sun only comes out once every seven years. And like that is like the, the day that every, all the, the flowers bloom and everything like that. This is the track that, that, uh, is that soundtrack in my head for, for that, <laughs> for that, uh, that plot, I guess. There's that, there's that number seven again. <laughs> um, you want to talk Philip Glass. I immediately got Koyani Skatsi, like it, mm-hmm. flashbacks to, I, I've, I've watched that movie has been a long time, but it definitely is a little darker, a little bit more like kind of going back to what you were saying about meddling with uh, life and doing things that you shouldn't be doing. That's basically the entire premise of that film is humanity itself is maybe going too far. And that was in the 80s. And <laughs> we've only gone further since. <laughs> Dane, tell us about Daredale. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> Daredale is, is a kind of a dark track. Um, and it's, it's, it's almost purposefully dark and, and methodical, um, to contrast with Cassiel that, that comes at, at the end of this, which is a lot more fast paced and try and sort of triumphant. Um, yeah, Dardiel, I consider Dardiel to be the theme of, of Splice. Um, I, we used it in the trailer. Um, we used it in, in a few different places. Um, there's a, you don't hear it as strongly in um in the game in this in this track but if you go and listen to like if you watch the trailer you'll you'll hear the sort of main motif um that i i associate with this the game in general um which is sort of a bittersweet you know major to minor movement that that's happening in um in that that main motif and I don't. I love it. It's um. It was one of the ones that I had the easiest time playing because um, I spent a lot of time with it. Um, the whole the whole soundtrack is not meant to be played with two hands. Um, it's it's meant to sound like it can be played with two hands, but it really can't. It's um. It's composed for four hands, um, which is another one of those like trying to give you a sense that hey, maybe this is a little bit beyond human ability. Um, and a nod to <laughs> it's, a, it's also a nod to um, Gattaca um, oh, where, right. yeah. yeah there was a, a piano player in Gattaca that had six fingers on each hand and the composer wrote a piece that had extra notes put into it to give you the sense that you need 12 fingers to play this and it's just a little off um, so that that's kind of where I took that inspiration from but Dardiel was always the one that I had like the sort of the easiest time like playing as if I could actually manage on two hands. Well, that, that brings me to another question. Actually, I want to ask about your composition process. When you want to create music for one of your titles, what, like what goes through your head? How do you get yourself in that, that mood and actually start writing something down? Uh, it really depends. Um, it, it depends a lot on, you know the game and the mood and um the time constraints which i always had time constraints um <laughs> you know there there was always 
Splice, I had a decent amount of time to work on, but then a game like um, Shim Sham, we did, we did this, uh, this small game for Leap Motion when that first came out. Um, I think we recorded that album and like re- wrote and recorded that album in like two days. That was like all we had in the budget. Um, <laughs> wow. So <laughs> it's one of the one of those sort of things where you know it, it's it's cool you know being the technical director and, and being responsible for actually programming a lot of these subsystems, but. You spend most of your time doing that, you know, I have a lot of time to do, to do the soundtrack. So I got very cutthroat with um, how I did the my, my game music. A um, lot, of, lot of constraints, like, you know, knowing I was going to do seven, knowing that I was going to um, stick to this, like seeing the number seven come up again, it struck me on that um, the... Uh, keys you know okay well this first one is in b like oh we have to do seven let's go from b down to c now i know the keys i have to compose everything in and i just have to compose one for each so it it gives me sort of a way to backfill in what i need to create and then you know for for splice it was a lot of just like looking at the game and having the um we we have the ambiance sound from like a submarine i think is what we ended up going with for the game to give you that like deeply underwater feel um (laughs) and i would just sort of put that on and stare at the game and pick out ostinatos until i got something that made me want to play a bit more and then i would start layering on top of that um until i got to to something that that i enjoyed um dardiel when i first wrote it was a lot more dynamic it was a lot heavier of a piece but um since again, that goes into Castile, which is the most dynamic track, I think, um, at least on on the Flights of Angels. Um, I went back and sort of re-recorded Dariel to be a little bit more meditative and a little bit mellower um, so that there would be more contrast going into that final piece. Excellent. Well, that leads us into our next track, which is Castile, composed by Dane Saint.
Well, this is Cassiel, or that was Cassiel, and this is my favorite song out of out of all 11 tracks. Um, I, I love this one so much. This was the the single that we released when we announced the game. Um, it's just it just has so much life and energy, um, and, and it, I was surprised by this track when I wrote it. You know, I was gonna say, <laughs> I, I know I said. Uh, earlier that I really liked Remiel. Um, and then I, I listened to this again. I'm like, Oh, I don't know. This, this is kind of, this kind of, I'm feeling it right now. Um, that when that, that first, that deep, um, note comes in on the left hand, it just, Oh man, my arm hair just kind of stands up on, <laughs> on end. It's all, it's so awesome. Oh it's yeah. Really beautiful track. I mean, this one was a must listen, like all of the elements hit just right. You've got that sort of melodic elements that you know are going to come crashing into like a big chord. And, you know, it's absolutely one of my favorites on the first uh, half, two thirds, the the first seven tracks. The, there's that you mentioned, there's the epilogue chapter, but this is the, the main game. Absolutely love this track. And I am glad that we're able to have you on to talk about it. Yeah, this this is a, I was surprised by this one. And I, I think it was one of those, um, one of those things where you're playing and you decide to make a decision that you wouldn't normally make. And I don't have the music theory to explain the decision, but going from, um, you know, it's written in C. And so going from there into the chorus, it's just such a huge shift from this, this like really like tightly constrained minor feel to this big open, like angelic major chord. Um, in in a in, I think I, I think I go to the four. I think I go from C to C to F, um, and it just always hits. It always hits every time I hear it. And and I was I was surprised by it when I did it because <laughs> um, I wasn't planning <laughs> on it. And so when I go back and listen to it, I'm just like, yeah, that that sounds good. Wow. That sounds really nice. I did good. Yeah, happy <laughs> accidents. <laughs> right. Happy little happy little clouds. Right. You're such a interesting you know like when we started listening to the soundtrack we didn't know like really what to expect i i hadn't heard your music prior to this game and so we're like you know like let's let's look into the soundtrack a little more let's uh look into this composer dane saint who's that okay well let's let's go to the website and you know you have you're such an interesting person like you have art and um, activism and all sorts of poetry books music everything you've done has these very like deep messages and uh, we were kind of hoping that you could talk a little bit about that yeah um well where to, where to start uh, it's for, so for <laughs> I me mentioned a lot of things in there yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah um it's that that's always been uh, sort of a, a point of contention for me because i find that I much in the same way that like I don't really pay attention to music theory. I just kind of write music that sounds good and feels good to listen to. And then if you want to apply music theory to, theory to it afterwards, yeah, sure. Um, I kind of feel that way about all of my art. Um, I don't, I don't really care about the medium so much as the message. Um, and and so you know one of the benefits I, you know one of the reasons I really loved um, working in games for so long was that. Um, it really forces you to be a bit more limber about how you exercise your creativity, um, especially in a small company like Cypher Prime, where you may, you know, on any given day, I could be, you know, 
working on a particle system or creating a messaging system, writing music, doing sound effects, doing visual effects, doing our taxes, talking to the accountant. Like there's just so much going on. Um, you, you can't, you can't afford to consider all of those jobs to be separate or you'll lose your mind. Um, and that's kind of how I feel about, uh, you know, my art it very much speaks to a lot of that. Um, the, the books and poetry and short stories and videos or whatever, they're all kind of different expressions of the same sort of underlying thing. Um, and I, I kind of refer to all of that as, as sort of my tapestry. Like there's a, mil- a million little threads where they all, for me at least, form sort of one cohesive um, picture. And I haven't I haven't yet gotten to the point where I am able to communicate the entire tapestry to people. Um, <laughs> and so I'm sort of, con- I'm, I have to content myself with, with showing little patterns and little, uh, little threads here and there until, you know, the picture comes together. That's awesome. I do want to bring up a music video that you just released a few weeks ago, uh, that I, I watched, um, last night actually for the first time. And I was really impressed. It's called, can't oh, let me see it's called can't speak no hold on what's it called um uh, C- city um, don't sing city don't sing i was gonna say city don't speak but that's not it um <laughs> it's called city don't sing could you tell us about this uh this song and this this music video yeah um i mean so 2020 you remember 2020 um I'd rather forget to be perfectly honest, <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we were there for most of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I was, I don't know. I, I was really missing, um, one, I was missing being on stage and just being with artists, being, being in that space. Um, so there, there's a bit of that and I was getting tired of being in quarantine, but also at the same time, like, you know, I, I'm lucky. You know, I was lucky to to have a position where I can work remote, and um, a lot of a lot of my friends that um, make their living off of, you know, being artists, and were scraping by to begin with. That whole industry, you know, got got cut down. And then, you know, my friends in the medical industry, like that, just got into trying to help, are now being flooded with with. Um, you know, so much going on. So, so it was, um, I want to say last May, April or May or so, um, right sort of at the, the crux between, you know, the pandemic coming up, the quarantine in full effect, and then the, um, the George Floyd protest kicking off. I was really in a position where I was just like needed to communicate how I felt in that exact moment. Um, and that's what City Don't Sing ended up being. And, you know, it's sort of in contrast to a lot of my, my other personal work. It's very, very stripped down. It's just me and guitar. Um, and guitar is not my best instrument by far. Um, it's, it's a beautiful track. <laughs> and it's also on Apple Music and I think Spotify and stuff as well, correct? Mm-hmm. We'll yeah. put a link in our show notes. Yeah, we definitely will. But I'm really glad that you brought that up because one of the things that I, I feel like 2020 in particular, this is the first real show where we've had an opportunity to talk about is is an opportunity for, I think, a lot of us to reflect on what's actually important. And a lot happened. I mean, we could say that it was all bad or whatever, but I think there's a certain kind of realignment that a lot of us have had to do, no matter how privileged or lucky we were. And I'm not saying it was a good thing, 
but I think there were some things that came out of it. And, you know, I, I've had a lot of artist friends, like you said, lose their livelihood. But I hope that what comes out of this is is growth and new opportunity when we can finally get back to normal, which whenever that's going to be. <laughs> yeah, I think we're kind of slowly creating our 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 new normal now, too. So um, yeah. and and yeah, the silver lining is always the the, um, you know, despite all of the 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 horrible things that going around the world there is there is some good i think in in 2020 so yeah it's not all bad yeah and and i mean the thing is that the the old normal wasn't that great um we were just used to it and that, that's kind of one of those things where we it's a good point yeah you know i just Agreed. i just put out a poem today that you know we we uh, especially as americans we're kind of um taught from a young age to equate discomfort with suffering and it, it holds us back as a society, as individuals, you know, we don't like doing things that make us uncomfortable. And we've never liked doing that as a country. And so when you look at what happened at the Capitol last week, that's a direct result of people being too uncomfortable to, you know, call something what it is to say like, hey, there are white supremacists in our, like oh, the, these things that we're just like really reticent to name because it's uncomfortable because we don't want to do that work. It leads exactly to sort of where, where we were at. And so, you know, I, I do hope that we find a new normal and I hope we find a braver normal where we can brave some of that discomfort for the sake of the people who are actually suffering and not equate our discomfort with that suffering. That's an excellent message. I, I think I agree. And I, you know, I... As a white guy, I can only take the conversation so far, but I will say I've been able to have conversations with people that probably a year or two ago would have been just completely, you just couldn't open the conversation because you're right. It makes people too uncomfortable to talk about. I think there's a lot to unpack there and I'm not going to use our platform here today to like pretend to be kind of any kind of authority on it. But I, you know, I do hope that the difficult conversations start to happen and we can make amends for many hundreds of years of not such great decisions to yeah. put it simply <laughs> <laughs> anyways on a uh <laughs> on a, a more horrible note here no this no. uh <laughs> so um let's let's take a jump back over to uh the splice soundtrack and later on after uh the soundtrack was released algorithms and angelology was released and that contains uh believe four tracks five tra- yeah four, four, tracks. four tracks and then a reflection yeah so five tracks in total right uh, yeah and so we have a track here that i'd like to listen to it's called ganymede so let's take a listen and we'll be right back Thank you. 
That was Ganymede, composed by Dane Saint for Splice on the Algorithms and Angelology epilogue OST. Yeah, and and you mentioned this earlier, Dane, that there's four extra chapters or sequences that constitute the epilogue. This is a very uplifting and very triumphant track, but I'm curious, uh, what is the significance of both the epilogue and maybe the individual sequences? Just, just on a high level. <laughs> <laughs> so, so on a high level, um, the, the main sequence we we wanted to make sure that you had a sense of accomplishment. You know, if you beat the main sequence, you have beaten the game. Congratulations, you fi- you finished it, right? But in in our sense, you know, as we we're working on these puzzles, you know, they get a lot more complicated than what's in Cassiel. And so we wanted to have a space where it's like, hey, you know, now that you've beaten the game, if you really want to put your knowledge to the test, there is somewhere else for you to go. And that's the epilogue. Um, and so ep- the epilogue is basically just four sequences of the hardest puzzles that we could come up with. Um, <laughs> and they, they, you know, Ariadne starts off, you know, pretty hard. And then by the time he gets to like the last puzzle in Daedalus, it's just like... Very diff- It's very difficult. There's actually a video of it up on our YouTube channel of um, one of our interns at the time taking like the half hour it took to beat Daedalus. Uh, oh man! <laughs> and, and <complete. laughs> All right. So they're they're really they're really in depth. Um, Ganymede. So so the the first seven tracks are named after angels, um, but these four tracks are all named after humans from mythology. Um, so this, this was meant to be sort of a messier, um, experience, the epilogue, um, a lot more imperfect. The, the music is more, more recognizably like genre based. I would, I would say, um, these are on the black keys. So it goes from Ariadne and A sharp, Ganymede is in G sharp, Filono is in F sharp and Daedalus is in D sharp. Um, so keeping that theme going, and then Ganymede here, it is, <laughs> Ganymede was a, a Trojan prince that was so beautiful that Zeus fell in love with his beauty and abducted him in the form of an eagle. Um, and so it's this very like beautiful, triumphant track, you know, very heroic Trojan hero kind of smashing down the gates until you get to about a minute 30 in and it gets real dark um for a second like and that's sort of it was in my mind like okay zeus takes the form of an eagle the the eagle to come and abduct ganymede um so that he can be his cupbearer on mount olympus and so there's this sort of um feeling of you know this all four of these mythological um humans kind of got their comeuppance from the gods in in a way and that was sort of my way of sort of communicating like this is what happens when you play around in god's domain to go along with all of the same themes that we've been working with in in the first half of it wow there's way more to the soundtrack than i ever could imagine (laughs) and uh it's it's so it's such a a, an amazing uh story about you know like even more so than the than the game appears like there's so much that you guys really uh thought about and kind of um, embedded into the work and, and you know it does show like there's uh, something about your your games that have this just otherworldly experience and it shows if you look at like steam reviews i mean the overwhelming um reviews like positive reviews about like this game and 
across other um, platforms. Just it, you guys, you guys did something right, and I think that that um, that definitely shows. I gotta say, this is the first time we've talked to somebody who's presented us with a concept album to accompany a video game. <laughs> I'm sure others exist, but I, I'm, I'm like thinking about all of the things that you've said about like the mythology and and playing God, and it's like it, playing it through in my chills, head. Man. Yeah, <laughs> like, it really like, recontextualizes the soundtrack for me in ways like I kind of got an inkling of it from the names, but now hearing you talk about it, it's like. That's deep. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's gonna have a. I'm gonna listen to it a completely different next time. And so, um, yeah, wow, what a wild <laughs> ride. <laughs> it's it's kind of fun that I get, it's it's fun that I get to talk about this stuff because like a lot of people are just like, oh, it's a cool puzzle game, and they just kind of move on. But uh, yeah, I really I, I put way too much thought into everything I create, <laughs> so it's kind of <laughs> it's cool to get a chance to talk about it. That's super awesome. Yeah, so uh, to kind of wrap up here, today we covered Splice on Mac, Windows, Linux, iPad, Android. Um, am I missing anything? PS4, PS3. PS3, PS4, yeah. Um, composed by Dane Saint of Cypher Prime Studios. This was just, yeah, like we just said, way more than I ever expected. <laughs> um, and just a blast talking with you today, Dane. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks so much for having me. This has been fantastic. Awesome. Yeah, we really appreciate it. We've been trying to get you on for, um, what, like a, a month or two now and, uh, just, you know, timing <laughs> and stuff. And, and the end of the last year was kind of a mess anyway, so it wouldn't have worked out anyway, but <laughs> yeah, um, yeah the, the, the world sort of keeps exploding, um, all of the time. So yeah, uh, it, right. I'm glad that we were able to get a little bit, a little bit of a lull at the beginning of the year, even though I can't even say that truthfully. But, um, I, true. true. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, if you want to know more about the show, you can check us out online at pixelatedaudio.com for our show notes and the track list. We can also be found on Twitter at Pixelated Audio. If you like the show, leave comments or feedback. That's always appreciated. Dane, where can people find your music, your games, and uh, you on your personal website? Um, well, there's, there's my personal website, um, Dane Saint dot com that's d-a-i-n-s-a-i-n-t um dane like rain if that helps you remember it um the games are all at cypherprime.com c-i-p-h-e-r-p-r-i-m-e um we got we got a ton of games you know we just released our game line weight at near the end of last um near the end of 2020 and that was just five beautiful motion stories that you can read through and feel some feelings um you know trying to find some catharsis um, and then if you, if you want to keep up with what I'm doing, um, on a more day-to-day basis, Instagram is probably the best, best place to do that. You can follow me on Instagram at Dane Saint, post poems a couple of times a week and do some videos and just silly stuff every now and then. So awesome. And your YouTube stuff is pretty cool. You had, uh, a, uh, like a, a, a series where you were taking four notes and you were building up, um, kind of how you felt about those notes. Can, can you mention anything about that? Or yeah, so the four notes project. Um, that was I was trying to sort of reconnect with my my improvisational roots, and I was reading this um, this book called Effortless Mastery. Beautiful book, um, and he sort of charges you to think that there there are no bad notes, um, and so you can play any notes until you can hear what is beautiful about them. And so four notes was sort of that. I set up a generator on my website and it would generate four random notes at the beginning of the week. And I would just sort of sit down in front of a camera and play them until I could figure out what sounded beautiful about it to me. 
Um, and so I did that for, for about two months and then kind of stopped. But the, uh, the generator, I, I believe, is still up if, if people want to take that on as a challenge as well. Hmm. It looks pretty cool. Pretty interesting. Uh, Gene, any closing thoughts? Any closing comments? Yes, actually. Since you didn't mention it, make sure to check out Cypher Prime's Bandcamp, Cypher Prime Studios, where you can buy the albums for this and quite a number of other games. In fact, one thing I wanted to specify is you mentioned Shim Sham and a couple of other games. This whole set of soundtracks has been very piano focused, but Dane's got a wide variety. Like Shim Sham is like a vocal jazz album. Uh, it's almost nothing like this at all. So if you're interested <laughs> in hearing the, the variety of, of music that he has, if you've liked the music here, go check that out. We'll have a link in our show notes. I've enjoyed it. I've bought quite a few of your albums, uh, not just the ones for uh, Splice, but, uh, you know, in particular, I really like the one called Earthbound, which is just like mm. your musings on traveling cross-country by train. Oh, that's great. Yeah. 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 <laughs> It's an interesting I, th- uh, concept album. Oh, go on. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> I will. I that album I do put on from time to time, um, just because you know I, I took I, I took a train from from Philly to LA when we were going out for Indicate some years back, and it's a three day journey, and I didn't have much else to do. You don't have internet, so um, I just kind of wrote a little travel journal, essentially. That was just how kind of how I felt as I was passing through all these different cities and, and locales in, in the country. Um, and it was such a good experience that sometimes I'll just go back and put that album on just to bring that feeling of, of travel again. It's like a really nice thing to put in the background when I'm working. Um, so yeah, I'm glad that I'm glad you like that Earthbound album. That's that's pretty pretty cool. Awesome. Cool. Well, you know, I I want to say before we end up here, you know, you mentioned several times the hidden symbolism and stuff with uh, like the number seven and stuff like that. And just so happens that we are actually playing what seven tracks today, right? I think um, so. Yeah, I think, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Yeah, this last track, taking out the show here, is called Reflection. Uh, Any final words on this track, Dane, before we... Yeah, um, so Reflection, every every track, you know, before Reflection is a track that appears in the album. It is written for four hands. It's this massively complicated thing. Um, Reflection is just me it's just um it was a one-shot improvised piece and i i just sat down at the piano and kind of brought to mind at the end of the project like how how did i feel about writing about creating this game about splice um and i I wrote this song reflection it's the it's the only one um that doesn't appear in the game and it's the only one that doesn't appear in the um the sheet music which is also available on our website Um, this is a very sort of personal piece Excellent. Dane, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. It was a pleasure having you on and looking forward to the next stuff that comes out of Cypher Prime and your music. Thanks so much. Thanks. This has been a really great uh, experience. Thanks for, for having me on. Oh, it's been our pleasure. Absolutely. So this is Reflection. Thank you everyone so much for listening. We'll see you back in a few weeks for the next episode.